We're the West Slot Pirates, and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. Well, guys, uh, that was, um, well, first off, before we dive right in, you know, we are recording early this week, so, you know, it's kind of, this Notre Dame game is real fresh in our memories, and, you know, as it was yesterday. Um, so I, it, I've been home from Chicago for not quite two hours yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, so, you know, as we kind of look ahead, there's a lot that can and will happen throughout the week. I mean, we don't know what's what's up with the injury status or, or a lot of, you know, for moving forward. But, you know, this game yesterday, as, as we record on Sunday night, was so, it was weird and cool and bad. And I, it, there was so much going on. Uh, first of all, all three of us were there, which was awesome. You know, Scuzz, it was Hooray! great to see you. Yeah, it was great. And I, I, you know, before we talk about on the field, the the crowd, I mean, the feeling in the stadium was, like, it was electric. It was really, really cool energy in there uh, yesterday. Yeah, the players described it that way as well in the post-game press conference. And I don't know, you could just tell the fan base was jacked up. I mean, this is what, I don't know that we really went too deep on this last, last episode, but... Um, you know, as much as a lot of us were thinking more about the Big Ten West Championship and less about this game from a gotta have it standpoint, the truth remains that this is our most relevant rival from a geographic perspective. Yeah, um, and that was very evident. Uh, I'm also I also have to say, kudos to the Northwestern fan base. Y'all showed out. Y'all showed up. Um, I expected the roar from Notre Dame to be quite palpable and it was not oh it was it was it was fantastic I think again for me the closest the closest comparison I've got of recent history is the pinstripe bowl um and that that, I mean this game really felt like that not just because it was nighttime and the weather was very similar but because the northwestern I've I felt very insulated I mean there were a couple Notre Dame fans sitting right behind us and it didn't bother me at all because the majority of the fans were solidly northwestern it was it was great, and I think you know the the we've we've ent- hosted massive fan bases before. Obviously, Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Nebraska, etc. And you could tell the difference between one of those games and one of these games in the line for the bathroom. And you say, "Oh my gosh, the line for the bathroom at halftime was so long, even compared to those other games." And then you realize that all the times those fan bases have shown up. There were still many more seats that could have been filled by Northwestern fans and weren't. And and yesterday, those seats were all filled. So it was a legitimately fully packed house, and there were definitely more Northwestern fans than Notre Dame fans, which was awesome because it was... I saw probably five times more scalpers than I've seen at any Northwestern game. <laughs> this was a hot ticket. There were, you know, there so, were. So, so here's what's interesting. Uh, boots on the ground. My brother-in-law scalped tickets um, basically at the beginning of the game in the Notre Dame section and paid less than face. Really? 
Yeah, I was I was really surprised. Um, I think, and I think it. I bet the time changed through some people for a loop, folks that were maybe planning to come, um, and then couldn't make it work. Uh, it's you know, it, it kind of it threw my plans for a loop. We had to figure out what we were going to do with our kids. Um, turned out our kids are rock stars, and we we ended up staying till the end. I know I left our section um, to head out as the rain was coming down, and then showed up in the Notre Dame section and we blocked a punt. And I was like, I can't leave. <laughs> I can't do it. Um, but both my two-year-old and four-year-old uh, were, were solid to the end. But yeah, no, I think like I was, I was thinking the scalpers were going to make a killing on this and turned out they didn't. Yeah, I was, but I mean, with that, with all that said, I mean, it was, it was a packed house. It just like Sam said, it was an electric atmosphere. I mean, this was a fantastic game and there was a moment in time late in the game, where there was a chance it was going to be one of the greatest Northwestern football games ever. It didn't turn out that way, but it flirted with it for a second in just an electric environment. And since, as we've all said, we didn't exactly need this win, um, you, I definitely didn't come away with a real, you know, a, a bitter taste in my mouth. It, it kind of felt like we gave a, honestly, a fantastic Notre Dame football team a run for their money almost and almost pulled it out. Um, I'll say too the, it would, you know, for us, especially with scuzz being in town and us all being able to watch together, it really was a fantastic evening start to finish starting with us all huddled around a cell phone um, <laughs> in the golf lot, watching the end of the Iowa Purdue game. Um And uh, which of course started our day off fantastically because by the time we walked in the, in the stadium, we already knew that Purdue had had done a, a big solid for us. But you, you take that, and then just the whole environment, the whole atmosphere, everything that happened, and I mean, what a night! So yeah, so let's talk about uh, the game itself. I mean, um, you know, it was it was very strange. Um, you know, thirty one twenty one was the final score, but like the first half sped by. I mean, it felt like it was like an hour and we were at halftime, um, you know, seven, seven going into the half. And it just, it felt like it moved so quickly. And, you know, we're, we're looking, you know, you're looking at the box score after the game and there's just a massive discrepancy as far as yards gained. But, you know, even at halftime and even after the game, it didn't feel like they were running all over us. You know, it, so if you go back and look at this from a pure statistical you know perspective it looks like they they beat the crap out of us but you know being in there in the stadium and watching it it was like okay you know they're they were better but we were right there well i mean this was this was fitz slash hankowitz ball all game right and you know bend but don't break give them give them some yardage we we could not cover their wideouts Chase Claypool just had his way with us. Um, the tight ends were were getting loose, uh, left, right, and center uh, early on in the game. But it was a it was the whole approach was bend but don't break. Right? Um, we happened to get a timely fumble. Uh, they they missed at least one field goal. Right? They missed uh, one. Yes. Yeah. Y- yep. They missed a field goal. Um, we held them to another field goal on another drive, and then of course the block punt. But this was a you know, we knew that we were outgunned in this game, um, that they were the more talented team, but this was the game plan, you know, shorten the game, try to string out drives, 
uh, bend but don't break, etc. And on the offensive side, you know, we I, I was pretty impressed. We we rushed for 93 yards. This defense has been well heralded as being extremely strong against the run. Isaiah Bowser continues to show himself to be um, very worthy of that starting role and 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 a and a great addition to balancing out this offense. But they were pretty smothering. Yeah, th- that that D line was. I mean, Thorson did not have any chance to sit back and you know get established in the pocket. I mean, that pocket was just gone so quickly, and you know he was on the move all you know. Notre Dame had what five sacks, I think, officially, and you know the number of throwaways on top of that that Thorson had, you know, as trying to get rid of it, were even more. So, I mean, that D line, and Thorson said it after the game, he's like, that D line is no joke, and like we knew that their D line was good. Um, you know, did you think that their D line was better than Michigan's D line? I, I, I no capital <laughs> N capital O. Uh, well, diff- I I would I'll let you go ahead, John. I think they're different. I think their strengths are different. Yeah, first of all, I you know I I'll take it from Clayton. I to me, I thought I mean Notre Dame's defensive line was certainly great, um, but to me, I the the real takeaway is Notre Dame's secondary is just fantastic. I mean they they're just awesome. And there were, I mean, yes, the defensive line was forcing Clayton out of the pocket, but a bunch of those were coverage sacks and a bunch of the throwaways too. He just didn't have anybody. I mean, Julian Love was everything he was heralded to be out there. Um, and their secondary overall, you know, was just able to blanket us. Um, Clayton had a, a half decent day considering I, you know, I would say I, don't hate the way our line performed in this game too much. Um, again, like, yes, they're obviously matched up with a very physical Notre Dame front, but again, I, I, it didn't feel to me like the line was getting beaten up and bruised. It was just Clayton was having real trouble finding targets downfield, but you know, you fold that in with Bowser was able to almost have a hundred yards for the third straight week. Um, I thought the, the line was all right. To me, the, you know, the real thing and the reason we were lucky to be in this game is Scuzz kind of already alluded to it, but, um, it was one, you could juxtapose Notre Dame's secondary with our secondary. And that, I mean, obviously our secondary had a rough day. It's not exactly fair. Yes, they were overmatched. And yes, we, especially Scuzz, talked about exactly how scary this receiver core was going to be because of the multiple weapons that they have. But Montre was obviously banged up. Trey was knocked out. Jared McGee was knocked out. By the end twice. of the game... I mean, yeah. McGee had to be helped off the field twice. Right. By the end of the game, we had, what, Travis Willock, Cameron Ruiz, Pace, and, uh, you know, a one-legged Montre out there. It was... That was rough. But with that said, I mean... For a, for an offense that sent two offensive linemen to the first round of the NFL draft last year, wow, can they pass protect? Because we, I mean, we couldn't touch book. And so, so before we shift, before we shift too much to that side, I, I, sure. I, I just want to double down on some of your defensive comments because I, I thought what the strength of Notre Dame's defensive line a very very good against the rush. Um, and they've played some pretty strong running teams during the course of this year. They held Stanford uh, to 55 yards rushing. With or without uh, Bryce Love, though? That was 73 from Bryce Love. Okay. Um, and then minus 28 from KJ Costello. So, <laughs> so I guess I should say 73 yards. Um, 
uh, Virginia Tech, they they kept um, right at four yards per carry. Uh, Pitt, they held under four yards per carry uh, to 116 total yards. Now, Navy ran a bit wild on them, but that's just, you know, Navy and, and kind of the waning quarter of that game when they when they let them loose. But they're, they're very strong against the run, and they're extremely disciplined. And I, that, to me, that's the difference between them and Michigan is that they know they're – Chase Winovich is – just like a bat out of hell, but if he goes by the quarterback, he like that's it. He's out of the play. Whereas Notre Dame's defend defensive linemen knew their speed and knew their assignments, and you'd see these times where Thorson maybe had a chance a chance to break contain, and they would just chase him down from behind. They just they had complete control and mastery over um, over the trenches when Northwestern was on offense, and I just I found that to be extremely impressive. Michigan, from a talent perspective, from a disruption perspective, from just like a havoc and uh, scare the hell out of you perspective, absolutely better. But Notre Dame's control over the situation I thought was more impressive. I give credit to Clayton, all things being equal, considering, like Sammy said, there was a ticking clock on that pocket. He's, He's throwing against great coverage downfield. He was getting outside of the pocket. Like, yes, he's getting forced out. But Clayton's not someone who's always had the best pocket awareness. And tonight he did. I mean, last night he did. I mean, he was getting forced out, but he's getting forced out on the run, evaluating. He he did have a couple plays. I think he found Flynn Nagel once on a really late developing play. He found Cam once. Um, and all things well, being equal. Well, I mean, no it, picks. Right. No for, a, for a low yardage game where he got sacked five times, I thought he acquitted himself pretty well. There was a moment, Scuzz, after you went over to the other side, literally and figuratively, um, <laughs> that... Uh, Believe me, I was representing over there. <laughs> no, I know. Uh, that they showed the, the scores, the stats for the first time, and... Sam and I were kind of stunned at how little yardage we had because I think at the time we only had about 140 yards and that was before our second to last touchdown where we put together a nice drive and I think between and this is the way it's felt the past couple of weeks because Bowser had a good game and I think because we were all out in that desert that runless desert for so long that when you have a back getting four yards a carry it just makes things feel better. And I think, Scuzz, you made the point right before the pod that this was a game where, you know, I think our offensive stats are getting a little bit short shrift because there were so few possessions in this game overall. Yeah, and if like you look 10. At, right. And if you look at time of possession, it was actually pretty bounced. So on one hand, you know, if you were sitting there thinking, well, it doesn't feel like our offense is playing as bad as these stats – then you're right. The flip side is that applies to Notre Dame as well. And Book, who threw for 343, could it were this a Big 12 game, you could chalk up 500 for him <laughs> easily. Um, and, and you know, not to take anything away because again, I I I tip our hat to our ability to have such a clearly defined weakness in this game in terms of our ability to stop them throwing the ball and still stay in the game, but. But boy, I mean, I Notre Dame can sling the ball for sure. Well, and you saw what I did not realize or necessarily expect is how how good Book is on his legs. Um, I mean, Book versus Wimbush was always billed as the mobile quarterback versus the less mobile quarterback, 
as the, as the season was starting out and especially that last play or that last touchdown that Notre Dame got where everyone, including Dave Ennett thought the running back had the ball. And then there was kind of this moment of, Oh wait, book is still running. Um, he, he was really good in that regard and really tore us apart. And we've talked ad nauseum about how much trouble that type of quarterback gives, uh, gives Northwestern. And I didn't anticipate that coming into this game. And, and it was a real factor. Well, I, I know that, you know, listening to some, I, I think it must have been solid verbal. They were talking about how Book was initially recruited as a lacrosse player. Uh, so, you know, his athleticism was definitely there. Uh, we just hadn't seen it. And especially when you compare him to Winbush, yeah, you know, there's a massive difference. But, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't expect him to be as, like you said, I didn't expect him to be quite as mobile as he was. And, you know, his, his feet, you know, extended drives and, you know, that, that touchdown at the end that really kind of sealed the deal. You know, we get a stop there. Then all of us, I mean, we had all the momentum, you know, force him to kick a field goal and, you know, who knows what happens there. But the fact that they were able to, to punch it in for the touchdown, that pretty much sealed the deal. Yeah. But books had, you know, 10 plus carries and 40 plus yards four times this season. Um, Oh, I guess that's not quite true. Uh, He's had, I'll just say this, he's had 40 plus yards, uh, four times this season. And, um, yeah, I mean, that was a, that was a huge factor. You're right, Sam. I like, and this is, this is kind of where I, where I am landing as I'm thinking about this game. Like, obviously we had nothing to lose going in. We were really excited knowing the, the outcome of Iowa Purdue. This was, this was just gravy. It was for pride. It was for, you know, all the things we've talked about with Notre Dame in the past, um, but when we blocked that punt, which, whoo, what yeah, nice, Cam- nice, Cam Ruiz. Oh, man. nice scheming coaching staff. Like they've, they've been holding that one in the holster, um, and just excellent execution. And it couldn't have come at a more perfect time to, to both call it and, uh, complete it. But when we when they threw that big long touchdown pass to go up twenty one seven, I thought game over. This is going to end, you know, thirty one to seven, thirty five to seven. Um, you know, we've gotten our butts kicked by a really good opponent. C'est la vie. Let's move on. And that is when I t- <laughs> and that's when the rain started. I took my daughter to go find my wife and and say, all right, let's head out head out from here. Um, but the way North Northwestern responded with that touchdown drive and then the really the coaching staff uh, calling their shot on that punt block and suddenly getting it within 21-24 against a legit top five team that is in all likelihood going to the, the college football playoff. Where they will that's get a, slaughtered that, by Alabama. but that's They will get slaughtered by Alabama, and I will tell all of my extended family members uh, throughout the holidays, we tried to save you guys from another loss <laughs> against Alabama. We tried really hard. You just wouldn't take it. Um, but outside of that, like from the Northwestern perspective, I'm so pleased with, with the optics of this because despite the yardage differential, despite, you know, all the stuff we've talked about. There's there's a number of as I'm going through the play by play. There's some some things that I just I don't love, like a lot of runs on second and long, which uh, hurts me a little bit. But we've already talked about the trouble Clayton was having in the passing game. Anyways, like the fact that it was 21-24 with seven minutes left, and we forced Ian Book to win this game for Notre Dame. We didn't throw it away. We didn't cough it up. Um, that's that is. 
not a moral victory, but it's it's excellent. It it really shows the progress that this team has made from the beginning of the season. And yeah, like it's just exciting. Com- compare that to what happened against Duke, where you know they got out, you know they turned it on in the second half, and we had no response and just kind of looked listless throughout the second half. Here. They come out of the half, you know, go up 21 nothing, and we're sitting there like, oh boy, we're not going to score in the second half again. This is just a flashback. But then to ha- to be able to flip the switch back on, you know, to keep, you know, keep pushing, keep, you know, fighting and to, to get that close that late, that's huge. And, you know, we're going to need that moving forward, you know, especially, you know, coming up this weekend with, you know, a, an insanely huge game in at Kinnick Stadium. It's funny you mentioned Duke and it, it, talk about Ian Book. A year ago, Ian Book was getting Trajan Bandy, Trajan Bandied, and turnover chained uh, down in Coral Gables when Miami was crushing Notre Dame. And at the same time, we were playing our game this year. Ian Book's throwing for 343 yards. And meanwhile, Duke is beating Miami <laughs> in Coral Gables. So um, Duke's Duke's making some noise, which at least is making us look a little bit better. But yeah, I think, Sam, to your point, and looking ahead to Iowa, one of the big things about me is all the areas where we were deficient in this game, I came away just thinking, wow, Notre Dame is super impressive. Um, and I think there are some things that Notre Dame does very well. Um, and, you know, passing the ball is clearly one of those things. But when I compare them to Iowa, yes, Iowa does some of some similar things well, but I just don't see the firepower with the Hawkeyes that I think we saw with the Irish. I mean, Dexter Williams did not beat us. No. And I think when, you know, our big question, and we kind of had talked about it in the Notre Dame game was, I felt we had a pretty good chance to take him out of this game. And then I was like, all right, but then we're going to have to deal with everything Notre Dame's going to do through the air. And that's what happened. Um, I think Iowa's going to try to do the same thing. You're going to see more jumbo sets from Iowa, but they're going to try to run first. And if they can't, they're going to go to Noah Fant. And, um, I think one of the big differences between Iowa and Notre Dame is, yes, Notre Dame had Chase Claypool, but they also had five other guys who had at least one 20-yard reception in this game, or four other guys. Um, Iowa does not have that kind of firepower. You know where their bread is buttered, um, and I think it, it starts with Fant. So there's just one last thing I want to uh, I want to hit on with the Notre Dame game before we move on, and that is an iconic sign that uh, I saw was retweeted out by Darren Ravel and has, has made the rounds. And that was a Northwestern student proudly holding up a sign that said Catholics versus consultants. <laughs> I, I cried when I read this last night, I was laughing so hard. Um, and it's, it's a meme of a meme, right? Like the, the Catholics versus convicts uh, shirt that came out so many years ago. And, um, What's also funny for me is that I work with a lot of Notre Dame grads in the in a you know basically a consulting <laughs> type field, but um, but it's just it was just spectacular and a nice little you know put put a pin in that as just a, a nice little moment that that becomes part of this this rivalry and I I really hope that we are able to schedule um, not every year but some continued games with Notre Dame um, over, over the 
the upcoming years because it is a, a veritable battle for Chicago. It was a great game. Our program is in a place where we can compete with them year in and year out. Um, I think we're probably more likely to lose uh, on average than we are to win just based on the, the different talent pools that we're, that, that we, we tend to recruit and pull in. But um, this was a, a Despite the loss, um, and this ends what was a three-year winning streak, two-year winning streak. Um, despite that, it was uh, for all the reasons we talked about earlier with the atmosphere and the Northwestern fans that showed up and the way this this played out. Um, it's quite enjoyable, and I hope I hope we get to see this again. Oh, I, I completely agree, and you know, hopefully that that'll happen. I just, I just know with Notre Dame's ACC thing with them doing five games a year there and then wanting to keep all of their, you know, traditional rivalries, Stanford, USC, Navy. I mean, that puts them at eight games every year that they're getting. And then they want their cream puff as well. So they don't have a lot of flexibility with their scheduling, you know, as far as what, what they're able to do, but Hopefully, we'll be able to, to make that happen uh, again coming soon. Do want to talk about um, this upcoming weekend's game, which, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. As... Can, we, can we pivot now to the fact that we have a real shot at going to Indianapolis? <laughs> oh, a, a very real shot. And thanks to Purdue, we just need to win two of the, our next three games. And we're, we're in Indy. Just, and so... And two of those three games are Minnesota, who just fired their defensive coordinator today, yeah, I was, I was and Illinois, whose defensive coordinator retired last week. Three games, one defensive coordinator. Come on, Cats. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, you know, with a with a win at Iowa this weekend, that all but locks it up. I mean, it, it's it's not done. It's not set in stone. And you know, they're. I'd like to see if there are scenario, like what the scenarios are, if we could clinch this weekend. I don't think we can because uh, Wisconsin and Purdue are playing each other, and they're both uh, one game behind. Uh, well, two with the with the tiebreakers. So the winner of that game, no, no, they play next week. Wisconsin and Purdue play next week because doesn't isn't Wisconsin at Penn State this upcoming weekend? I think that's correct. Correct. Okay, so next week, uh, Wisconsin at Purdue. Um, you know, that could cinch it up. But if we go to Iowa and win, then we can, you know, clinch it at in Minnesota. Um, that's getting ahead of ourselves. Iowa is, I mean, they're a solid team. Uh, five and three on the season. You know, they did just lose at Purdue. And, you know, we've been, you know, saying how much better Purdue had been playing. Um, you know, what was really interesting about that game, kind of going back to look at the, look at the box score is just, the way they were trade, like they were trading punches. Um, Purdue was scoring on Iowa. Iowa came right back with scoring on, on Purdue. So yeah, that was just a, a slug fest back and forth, back and forth. And, you know, Purdue with the game winning field goal as, as time is running out. So Nate Stanley had a solid game, 21 to 32 for 275 and a touchdown, uh, no interceptions. Um, they did, they re- rushed for 118 total yards. Um, they spread the ball around a little bit. Fant was their leading receiver. Three catches for 85 against Purdue. Um, but, you know, th- this is an Iowa team that has been playing pretty good defense all season. You know, they were like lights out defense at the beginning of the year. 
obviously, you know, as, as the season's gone on, you know, cracks are forming. You know, we're, we're starting to see a few more uh, points being scored up against Iowa. You know, Penn State was able to score, and then Purdue was able to score on them. So you know, there's definitely a blueprint for us to to go in there and, and you know make something special happen. Yeah, I think kind of like we said earlier, Iowa in some ways has a similar profile to Notre Dame, except I'd say they're a little worse in every area. I mean, and and not more than a little. Um, not to throw shade at Iowa, but I think Iowa's a team that doesn't really have any clear weakness, but they're not really amazing at everything either. I mean, I think we everyone you know had realized on this defense at the start of the year, but like you said, Sammy, I think. The Penn State and Purdue games have taken a little bit of luster off of that, especially given that Penn State scored 30 points uh, against Iowa and then went and just got annihilated by Michigan. They scored seven points against Michigan. So, I mean, the Iowa blanked Maryland, um, obviously, but, you know, they scored 28. You know, they gave up 28 against the Badgers, and that's, you know, that they game. They gave up 31 to Minnesota. Right. Let's so, let's let's just real quick like there were number 16 in the country based right. on these six wins. Northern right. Illinois, Iowa State, Northern Iowa, at Minnesota, at Indiana hosting Maryland. Number 16 in the country based on those six wins. Right. And fold in right that this is how quickly things change because you're talking about the number 16 team in the country and they're they've got us which is no i mean that's that's a hard game and they're that nebraska game is suddenly looking pretty interesting um you like you don't have to talk me very hard into the fact that nebraska could win that game um and if those two things go against iowa they're gonna have a losing year in the big 10 so it's you know they're with that with all that said again I don't want to take it away because it's not a team that is bad in any particular area. They can kind of run the football. Um, they can throw the ball pretty well. Stanley's pretty decent. Um, you know, this is a team that almost beat Penn State, although I think we're all kind of wondering what the heck Penn State is as of right now. Um, but um, the one thing I don't see from them, though, is just a lot of weapons spread across their offense. And especially coming out of the Notre Dame game, you do feel that there's a lot of Wisconsin in this team in that um, you can take away one thing they like to do and they may not have a heck of a lot else. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I think so. I would agree. Like this team seems pretty balanced. They, I, it's kind of stunning when you look at their running backs that they, they run these three guys, um, kind of off and on. I mean, Sergeant is the one that gets the most consistent carries roughly 15, uh, a game, uh, 10 to 15, a game Torin young, who I think is more their third down back, um, gets, you know, somewhere he's had a couple games where he's been up over 20, but, mostly nine or 10 in games that, uh, uh, that have been happening in the conference. And then you get to, uh, uh, Ivory Kelly Martin, uh, a guy who was a really big recruit coming in last year, never really like, didn't see the field very much as a freshman, only had 20 carries gained almost 200 yards on those 20 carries, but uh, has been spotty this year has only played in six games total. Uh, had you know five carries against Penn State, ten against Purdue. After putting up twenty four against Maryland, feels like he's more of the like come in late when they have a lead back. Um, 
although he did carry it a, a bit against Wisconsin. So, uh, but but all of these guys, uh, they're all like your pretty average Iowa running back. <laughs> like they're somewhere <laughs> between you know two hundred and two hundred twenty pounds. They're all listed as five five ten five eleven. I mean, this is like your prototypical Iowa power running back. Like none of these guys have ridiculous speed or um they're just they're not very terrifying they're they're kind of four yards and cloud of dust type running backs and you mean you mean none of them are akram wadley none of them are akram wadley um they all they all average some somewhere between four and five yards of carry and they're just they're not the types of players that are really going to stress or stretch our defense it's it's that is all going to come down to the type of game that Nathan Stanley has and John, you articulated it well. Like he doesn't have a ton of amazing targets. Noah Fant has consistently been the top player, uh, the top target this year, especially for, for longer passes. But this feels very much like going into Wisconsin where there's a finite number of targets that Northwestern needs to worry about. That is a much, much better matchup for our defense than a Notre Dame or a Michigan was. And on the other side of the ball, I think what's interesting is that Iowa's fantastic against the run, like probably the best run D outside of Michigan that we'll face. I think they're probably even better, a little bit better than Notre Dame. Um, but you can throw on them. And if you look at those, those six teams that they've beaten, none of those teams has a quarterback. I mean, Iowa state maybe, but even then like Kyle Kemp, their, their number one guy coming into the year has been bounced around with injuries all season. Maryland, Indiana, Minnesota. I mean, when they've played decent teams, they've gotten beat. And yeah, it's maybe been a a, a single score game. You know, Iowa's not a bad team, but there's no reason that Northwestern can't win this game. For sure. And one of the things that has me feeling good, I mean, about this game, but definitely about the whole home stretches, Isaiah Bowser's put up 200 yards in two weeks against two good defenses. Like, say what you will about Wisconsin, but it's like Wisconsin didn't stop being a great defense. And just that, like, I don't find or I just don't see any evidence based on the past two weeks that Bowser's just going to suddenly get stonewalled. Um, I expect him to have a day, not a huge day, but, you know, I wouldn't be surprised for 70, 80 yards out of him with a three to four yard clip. And as we've seen, that's enough to set up our offense. If it's the difference between that and like one yard a carry, then that's great. Um, it's funny to see we've been following Purdue because they've been so integral to our hopes and dreams over the past couple of weeks. And you watch the way that Purdue's played offensively and defensively and kind of looked into like, you keep going back and be like, how did we have such a day against them? And it's because we were able to run the ball because we had our starting two running backs then. And <laughs> you you kind of see just that things were lost and found and you forget. I mean, Bowser looks great, but you can easily say, look, don't throw shade at Jeremy Larkin, who had a chance to be one of the better running backs in the conference if he hadn't had to retire. And you can kind of say this is where the success might have been. So now that Bowser kind of has this clicking, yeah, you can kind of see if, if we can get something started with him. Um, and even get to those, you know, second and seven, second and sixes. That yeah, Clayton should be able to move the ball um, against this defense. I think that's absolutely possible. I think if, if we're if we're able to get the run game going to set up the play action, because uh, you know Clayton on a play action, the crossing routes in front, you know, play action bring the linebackers up a few steps to uh, play the run. 
slip Flynn Nagel behind him for the eight, eight to 10 yards. That that's our offense right there. I think to one other important point is Purdue is not a great pass rushing team. They have a, they're good against the run. Um, and they were able to vary to shut Iowa's ability to run the ball down. And then yes, Stanley was able to throw, but I really want to drum this point home because I think this is at the key of don't forget Notre Dame is probably going to be in the college football playoff. (laughs) The fact that we weren't getting to book is because Notre Dame's awesome at protecting the quarterback. Like, because they're a really, really good team. I expect we're going to neutralize Iowa's rushing attack and then it's going to be us versus Stanley. And don't think we're not going to be getting to him. Don't think just because Gaziano didn't get to book that he's not going to have a shot to get to Stanley. Iowa's line is not Notre Dame's line. And I think you see that, yes, Stanley was able to throw the ball around a lot. um, And, you know, I mean, he had a decent day. He was able to spread the ball around to a lot of different receivers. um, But Purdue wasn't getting to him. But that's more about Purdue. This don't forget, like Purdue is not this unbelievable defensive team. Just like last year under Nick Holt, they sell out against the run and they do what they can. But our defensive line is a cut above. And I think one of the things that that people should say, don't expect that we're not going to get to the quarterback. If it comes to passing downs, we will pressure him. Yes, we're not. We don't have a Chase Winovich, but we will pressure Stanley and it will make a difference in this game. Well, and on the other side of that. Iowa doesn't have a Chase Winovich either. This is not a team that generates a ton of sacks. They got five against Minnesota, but let's be honest, they're playing, you know, probably the worst. Yeah, the worst quarterback uh, group in the conference for sure. Um, But against most other teams, we're talking one, two sacks. They got three against uh, Penn State, I think, but they only got one against Purdue. They got only... uh, two against Maryland like this is not a team that generates a ton of sacks and a ton of pressure um and that's you know that's obviously our biggest Achilles heel on offense right now the one other thing I'd say too is Purdue had a receiver have a day against Iowa and it wasn't Rondell Moore it was Terry Wright and he had 150 yards and he's just a basic possession type receiver he's a Flynn Nagel type so if you're looking for, I mean, it's Iowa. One of the things we talked about going into this season is they've had an embarrassment of riches at cornerback the past couple of years. And this is one of the first times where they don't have that. And you can, Scuzz said it already, you can attack them through the air. Teams have recently, and we're going to have a real chance to do it. I mean, I think you've got Iowa's strong there, you know, they've got the edge because they're at home. Um, and this is a team that. Again, I think these are two teams that match up well with each other kind of across the board, but I really do feel like we have the better team here. I mean, there's a reason why we have tiebreakers against Purdue and Wisconsin, and Iowa doesn't have tiebreakers against either of them. Scuzz said it early on. This is a team that did a lot of damage against a pretty soft schedule early on. I'm not saying they're not a good team. They are a decent team, but I do feel like we're better. Well, and they are definitely missing uh, projected starter Matt Hankins, uh, well, who did start the year at cornerback. Uh, he's been out since September. They're missing another guy, Trey Kramer, who was a, uh, a depth guy at cornerback who's out on suspension. So, yeah, there's, I mean, we've got some problems in our defensive backfield. So do they. Speaking of our defensive backfield, I will be curious to see. 
Again, Montre's got a little bit of a bum wheel. I hope this week that he's really getting the rest and the R&R that he needs. I mean, there was a time when we talked about the fact, um, you know, are we going to match him up with Fant? It's an unorthodox kind of thing. I certainly could see a situation, though, where if Iowa's going to stack sets and put only one receiver on the field that we put, you know, Trey Williams or whoever on that receiver and put Montre atop Fant. I would say that's a little bit more suspect now that Montre, you know, may not necessarily be a hundred percent, but, um, I, 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 I will like, be... I like the idea of putting, um, uh, Nate Hall. Yeah. On, on Fant and then having J.R. Pace or McGee kind of cover over the top because then you're effectively putting double coverage on their best receiver without sacrificing kind of your safety valve on the back end of your defense. And the other thing, too, is, I mean, Fant's a tight end nominally, but they'll still split him out. They split him out all the time. So they'll they'll use him as a wide receiver. And if they do send him out there, I would imagine Hardage is going to be yeah, matched up. Yeah, 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 definitely. He's on the outside for sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be interested to see kind of the health status of our secondary. I mean, we like we mentioned earlier, people got banged up. You know, Trey Williams got knocked out of the game. Uh McGee, you know, came out of the game several times. I mean, if our secondary is depleted, that is that becomes a weakness against Iowa's strength, and that could be that could be a, definitely a mitigating factor in this game. So, the, I mean, I think I think the last thing to say about Iowa is, I want I want this game. Oh, I God, want this yeah. game yeah. big time. I want I want to throw down and plant our flag atop this side of the conference um and and to and to win out essentially that being said should we lose this game all is not lost in fact nothing is lost um we can still very cleanly and i'm not going to say easily but cleanly there's a very clear and obvious and attainable path to continue to control our own destiny and winning our side of the conference. Um, in no way does that does that lead me to say we shouldn't, like I, that I don't want to beat Iowa. I want to beat them more than anything um, to be done with it. But uh, it will be, if we lose, all is not lost. We can, we can all rest assured based on that. Like, I, I'm not going into this game with kind of the same sense of, whatever happens is fine that I was going into the Notre Dame game. Right. But it doesn't feel like Wisconsin either. Right. No. It, and it doesn't, it doesn't feel like Wisconsin. Exactly. And here, um, here's, here's an important point too. Uh, the team, our team, I'm not saying going to say had every right, but our team had to understand too, that that Wisconsin game was a big bowl of gravy and they balled out in that game. That fourth quarter was not the fourth quarter of a team that was looking ahead to Iowa. Um, these guys have, these guys are dialed in. They know that this is one of the most, you know, 10 most important stretches in Northwestern football history. Um, and they are playing out of their minds. They played awesome against Wisconsin. They played an unbelievably good Notre Dame team really tight. I think this team, and now they know, I know these guys know this is effectively a game for the West championship. And I think our team is just going to be loaded for bear rolling into Iowa City. I I certainly hope so. I yeah. certainly hope so. I am I am nervous about what seemed to be a pretty physical game against Notre Dame, and it's it's probably really good that we only had 
10 or 11 possessions on each side of the ball instead of 15 or 16, and that both teams slow played that game, like a lot of running clock, a lot of um, late in the in the play clock snaps. It's probably good for Northwestern because you know, Notre Dame was a pretty physical foe, and I just I'm just I'm just especially seeing McGee, seeing Hardage, like. I was always worried that we come out of that Notre Dame game a little a little too beat up to feel great about Iowa. But the good news is that they are beat up as well. So, you know, at the very least, we're on equal footing. Yeah, especially, you know, after the, the body blows of Wisconsin, the body blows of Notre Dame. I mean, this is, you know, the the third of a three-game stretch that is just get very physical defenses. Weren't many body blows in that Wisconsin game, just saying. Well, no, yeah. as, as it turned out, no, there weren't. But uh, the flip side, though, is Iowa, that's two soul-crushing road losses for them. Um, those They were in two knockdown dragouts with Penn State and Purdue um, that both went down to the wire and, and took the L in both cases. Um, the Penn State game in especially brutal fashion. Well, and it's probably worth noting, like, if they were to beat us, they're still fourth in line for the Big West crown right. behind Wisconsin yeah. and Purdue, who both own tiebreakers over them. Yeah. So this they is, ain't winning the West. Like yeah. this, this feels like just short of a must-win for Northwestern, but I mean, it's definitely a must-win for Iowa from that perspective. They want to have any chance, but it's not like this is you know the difference between them being ten percent and sixty percent likely to win the division it's between you know 10 percent and 12 percent yeah because they, they're going to need help um and they're, they're calculating the different scenarios they're they know wisconsin and Purdue's rest of their schedule from here on out because they're going to be scoreboard watching something fierce we don't well, care let's, let's let's talk about the rest of Purdue's schedule sure let's yeah. do it because uh it's at minnesota hosting Wisconsin at Indiana. So, I mean, at worst, Purdue's probably going to have three Big Ten losses and a tiebreaker over Iowa. Iowa's already got three Big Ten losses. You can pretty much chalk this up to being done for the Hawkeyes. If I think, I mean, I think it's us. If it's not us, I think it's going to be Purdue. I maintain maintain Purdue's got the edge in that Wisconsin game. Um, I think, I just think that they're dialed in to handle them right now. And Hornybrook's still out. Like he, I mean, oh, he didn't no, play this. N- no, wow, yeah, and they didn't exactly set the world on fire against Rutgers either. Um, well, I mean, it's Rutgers. pot kettle. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, just saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just. Oh, saying. I'm wrong. He did play. He did play. Um, interesting. Uh, hold on, let me pull this up right here. Hornybrook did play in this game. Um, but you also saw Jack Cohn a couple, for a portion I think he threw of a couple, it. I think he threw a couple of picks. I yeah, he threw say. a couple of picks. Um, he was only 7 of 16 you know, for a 5.8 average. He, did, he looked terrible. And I basically I heard the solid verbal guys talking about like he's questionable going forward. And I, you know, I don't know if he got dinged up or if, um, or if he's still I, – I hope he didn't play if, if he's still suffering from um, concussion-related uh, stuff. But – yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't look to be, you know, what he was earlier in the year right now. But we've, I mean, everything we're saying, right? I mean, we have a chance here to clearly, just, I mean, like, effectively dominate the West. We have a real chance to sweep our side of the conference. 
which I don't know how many times Northwestern's, you know, done anything close to that. Obviously, the conference set up this way is relatively new. We certainly haven't done anything like that since, um, you know, it, was, it started to be formatted this way. And no, I mean, I, the, I think the last time we we did something like that would have been, what, 95? I, I think 95 is the only time we've done that in modern right. times. Right. So I mean, 96, we came pretty close, right? We lost to Ohio State and Penn State. Right. So, and I mean, you we have a, a real shot to win every game in our conference season except the one against the current number four team in the country. So it's... This this is there for us. I mean, yes, there's a lot of hodgepodge, but um, we could easily relegate Iowa to fourth place and put our stamp on this thing come Saturday, and let's just get it done. Absolutely. Um, do we want to quickly spin around the the rest of the Big Ten? I I don't know that you know we really need to go in. I mean, we talked about our side of the conference, and yeah, we kind of covered yeah, everything. The the other side is is. It's all going to come down to you know Michigan v Ohio State. You know, at this point, Ohio State's at Michigan State this weekend. Um, you know, it, Ohio I, I, State, boy, what is going on? Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's true. I mean, Nebraska went in there and gave them everything they could handle. Michigan, is, yeah. we haven't talked about it, but it's worth bringing up this Urban Meyer health situation. Um, mm-hmm. In part, I think it's. I think it's weird that it's getting so much play, like that people are talking so specifically about what he's dealing with. Um, I think it's it, a real red herring that he brought it up. Yeah, too. yeah. Um, and then, but then also said like, yeah, he's going to be back next year. It just we'll see, man. I mean, like, can you? I'll be honest. Can you believe anything that Urban Meyer is telling you right now? Absolutely I think the not. Is no. Yep. Um, and I, I like. They didn't look good against Nebraska. We know Nebraska's kind of finding their footing, but come on. Like, they they yeah. should have been able to run roughshod over this team um, really without much trouble. Whereas, by the yeah, at the same time, a home game against what's clearly an inferior opponent, Michigan just put their boot on Penn State. And, um, oh boy, that, that James Franklin coaching uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. situation about like how good he is or how good he isn't. I said a lot at the beginning of the year. There was a lot of defense of James Franklin going into this season. And my comment has consistently been like, hey, buddy, we'll see, we'll see what happens with, uh, with Penn State offense with, uh, with no more Joe Moorhead. And, uh, yeah, we're seeing it. We're seeing it. Looks a, looks a lot like James Franklin when he was at Vanderbilt. Yeah. Pretty crappy on offense. <laughs> yeah, you got Wisconsin and Penn State this week, and one of those teams is having a lousy season. Uh, the loser of that game is is looking at 8-4. and four. Um, And in the case of Wisconsin, you know, well, no, probably. Maybe worse. I mean, yeah, Wisconsin. Maybe, may, yeah, Wisconsin, yeah, they got Purdue the week after. I mean, Wisconsin be staring down the barrel at 7-5. and five. Um, But, yeah, I mean, both of those teams are, are wounded ducks right now. So, so yeah, we we shall see. Speaking of wounded ducks, um, the Golden Gophers. Oh, boy, the Golden, the coordinatorless Golden Gophers. Whoo, fifty-five points to Illinois. And if you're if you're saying watch out for Illinois, well, I'm not gonna step up and jinx us. But what I will say is Illinois got smoked by Maryland the week before this game. So <laughs> me thinks this says more about the Gophers than it does about Illinois. They're they're just a disaster. They're you know, they're down to um 
they're just in trouble across the board. Tanner Morgan is now starting a quarterback. Zach Anikstad, I think, is, is injured. Um, he hasn't played the last couple games. Uh, he beat out Morgan for the starting job. Their defense has just been decimated. Um, they've they lost Antoine Winfield, uh, who, well, should know shouldn't have been playing yeah, college football yeah. to begin yeah, with. Karma, yeah. yeah. But um, was their far and away their best, like the heart of their defense. Uh, he's been gone, and they just they got run roughshod over by Illinois. And that is Illinois averaged twelve point three yards per carry. Oof. That is not Illinois is not that team. We talk. I mean, I mean, it's crazy too because we talked at the beginning of the season, right? That um, what the Tracy Clay's era, the Jerry Kill Tracy Clay's defensive led era was kind of tottering, and it's gone. It's it's long gone now. They're giving up what thirty eight to forty points a game in conference right now. Um, yep. The Illinois Dame didn't come out of nowhere. Minnesota's getting shelled. Um, so yeah. Now, Win- that, Winfield was the last vestige, and he's he's gone too. Now that being said, in reference to two weeks from now when we are at Minnesota, we have all watched a, a Marquise Gray-led Minnesota football team beat Northwestern at home inexplicably. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I watched uh, Mitch Leidner beat beat Northwestern, I think, twice in Minnesota. Also unfathomable. So, like, like I ain't writing anything off on that. At the same time, I will say. Any Northwestern fans who are around uh, in the Twin Cities and want to tailgate for that game, I will be there with my dad. I'm looking for a spot to hit. We will bring food and good beer. Um, let's make it happen. There might be something big to celebrate. Yeah. Let's pump the brakes. Let's pump the brakes. Let's, <laughs> you know, one week at a time. You know, as Fitz says, we just got to go one and oh. Yep, 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 yep. One and oh. Let's go one and one and oh in Iowa City. Let's do it. Absolutely. Uh, before we get out of here, um, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little hoops. Um, you know, yeah. don't, don't want to go too deep into it. We haven't ha- really had a chance to, to do a ton of research. You know, we've been very focused on, on football right now. But uh, the new Welsh Ryan Arena opened this past weekend uh, to rave reviews. I mean, everyone who went to the sold-out exhibition game came out saying, my goodness, they did a fantastic job, and now I'm just dying to get in there to to check it out. You know, look, you know all the pictures just look beautiful. And I think our yeah, our, our Northwestern architects are a big two and zero right now. I'd say between the lakefront facility and Welsh Ryan, <laughs> we're doing doing good work. Um, uh, can, can the, are, I hope those architects are locked in a room rethinking Ryan Field. Uh, <laughs> fingers <laughs> crossed on that one. Throwing that out there. Not that I not that I dislike it or I'm unhappy with it. It just it needs it's time. It's it, time. it needs some work. It definitely needs some work. Um, but yeah, I mean the, the basketball team, you know, coming in. You know, we we talked a lot about these heralded freshmen coming in. Pete Nance had a great exhibition. Uh, Miller Cop started uh, for us in, in that exhibition. Um, you know, Ryan Taylor transfer coming in. AJ Turner. You know, we're getting to see him for the first time. Uh, you know, we've got a lot of depth, I think, for the first time uh, in, in a long time. You know, Collins is going to be able to go nine, maybe even ten deep. God, I hope so. I feel like we say that every year, and then it ends up being, like, the same six guys. But hopefully that is true this year. I will say this, like, nobody thinks Northwestern is going to have a very good season. And I think people are underestimating the mental... 
element of playing where they played last year and what that did to the team and and their resolve and their um, just ability to to get up for games and to, to feel the support from the fans. I mean, play, playing out at uh, the the old Rosemont, it just was. That, that's where they were, right? Rosemont, yeah, they were all state arena. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like just like it's not a good situation for so many, so many reasons. And when you hear the players talk about how excited they are for what Welsh Ryan looks like, what it means. We, I mean, we got bumped out of the West parking lot this year because people donated a ton of money to make sure they could get good season ticket locations for basketball, which like makes a ton of sense. The fan base is going to be excited. That will translate to the team. I think this is, you know, I'm not suggesting that we're going to win the big 10 or, or, or even necessarily go to the, to the tournament, but there's a lot of talent on this team. There's just a ton of excitement, both within the fan base and within the players on the team for the new arena and, and what that means for the atmosphere, et cetera. Um, I expect that students will be excited to check it out. And if these three things can kind of come together and the team can build some momentum, we have a really, really fun thing going. And so, and to your point, first of all, I mean, I watching some of the young guys out there, seeing Pete Nance get his first dunk out there um, was super exciting. Just to looking at the potential those guys have, but to the point of everything that you just said, right, think about the way the lakefront facility looks. Think of the way that brand new stadium looks. Think of the atmosphere of that Notre Dame football game um, and everything, especially if you were there, that you experienced this whole weekend. And then think about the fact that we were hosting four top 100 basketball recruits this weekend, including, including <laughs> Patrick Baldwin Jr., the number one player in the class of 2021, both of whose parents went to Northwestern. His dad played basketball for Northwestern. And, um, and was a coach, too. Right. He saw he is a five-star number one rated player in the class of 2021, and he <laughs> visited this weekend with three other top guys, and they got a show. They saw a wild football game with a crazy, raucous environment, and they saw a brand new, glistening, gorgeous basketball stadium. Um, and which so, was I mean, which was rocking for an exhibition, right? I mean, it's this was this is why we do these things. We put a hell of a foot forward uh, for these kids this weekend and uh these things will bear serious fruit uh so the you know early season for the cats you know we open up the season on thursday against new orleans uh next monday against american uh november 16th this is actually this is actually really cool um november 16th binghamton is coming in and uh pti is coming to shoot a, a live show at, or at the at the new stadium, you know, you got Wilbon at Northwestern, you got Kornheiser, who's a Binghamton alum. You know, the fact that you know they're bringing PTI to the new Welsh Ryan Arena, that's that's a big deal. Yeah, that's I mean that's pretty cool, and it just it just kind of goes to show like the publicity that is that is coming with this um, with this renovation, and frankly, like we. He has his faults. Uh, there's there's been some personnel things that we just you know we can't quite square with with what we think Northwestern probably believes in. But this is the upside of Chris Collins, right? Um, the notoriety and the the attention that this program is getting to become a, a legit 
basketball program. No, ab- absolutely. And you're definitely excited. Um, Thursday, BTN uh, has has the game, so we'll you know be able to to watch that from the comfort of our couch if you're if you're not able to get in, into the game, which sounds like it could be harder. I mean, they they did cut down the uh, capacity, which I think is a fantastic move. Uh, they went from like nine thousand to eight thousand, took away about a thousand seats. So, and it, you know. Reports are it just feels closer. It feels more intimate. It feels like you're on top of the action, which, you know, for anyone who ever sat up in the, up in the upper decks of the old Welsh Shrine, you know that, that you were not right on top of anything there. So, uh, definitely looking forward to that. Um, you know, this Saturday, 2.30 Central on Fox. Um, I, I know it's not the Gus game. Gus is going to Michigan State for, the Ohio State Michigan State game, but uh, we're going to be following that, um, you know, two thirty on Fox. So it's, it's a big week. This is this is really really big, and you know we cannot you know stress enough how important it is for us to go into Iowa and and come out with a W. I mean that all you know for all intents and purposes punches a ticket. But you know let's let's go into let's go to Kinnick. And get it done. We have won there before. It's you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Let's do it. Let's win the West. Hey, but and, and before we go, I know Sam's about to wrap this thing up. But just another another thank you to all the folks that stopped by the tailgate this weekend. Um, it's great for me to meet, get to meet some of y'all. Uh, we got some exciting new contacts. Another another Chicago based sports podcast that we're hoping to do some uh, some cross pollination with. Um, but Kevin Vetter, longtime listener who's, who stopped by, uh, we have a couple other friends and, and, uh, and, and such who are, who are listeners of the pod that came and chatted with us. And, and we, o- we always really appreciate that. Um, thank you all for listening and, uh, and for engaging with us. It makes us, uh, just a lot more fun to do. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when we know, we know people are out there listening, it, it's, you know, makes us, you know, come to the, come to the computer every week to, to record these things. And, you know, we just have, we have so much fun with it and, you know, we're so glad that everyone listening has fun with it too. So, uh, be sure to tell a friend, um, you know, everyone who's out there tailgating, let, let the rest of your tailgates know that, uh, you know, we're over there doing, doing what we do and, uh, you know, head, head to head over to iTunes and leave us a review, you know, give us a five-star rating that you know, definitely helps spread the word. So, uh, again, thank you for everyone who's come by all season long. Uh, it's been great to meet everyone and, um, hope to see everyone out there for the, for the season finale against Illinois. I know it's Thanksgiving weekend, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be there. So, you know, come over and say hi. And with that, we're going to go ahead and leave it there for this week. Uh, head to our website, westlotpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. You can find us on Facebook. Find us on Twitter, at Westlot Pirates. You can call our voicemail line, 847-231-CATS. That's 847-231-2287. And email the show, westlotpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. And look for us in the central golf lot flying the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. John Lacombe and Eric Skousbein, Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.